morning, everyone. Today we are starting a brand new series where we look at wisdom that's found through Proverbs and wisdom that's found through the ages. So, but to, to, to launch the series today, I actually just want to talk about what actually is wisdom. I mean, we all kind of like, yeah, that's, that's, wise, that's, that's wise, that's wise advice and stuff, but what actually is wisdom? So I want to begin by reading to you from Proverbs 1, um, chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, which says... These are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, for doing what is right, just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance, for un- get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, yeah, wisdom, receiving instruction, um, knowing what's what the right thing to do. It's about listening. It's about discretion. The book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. In fact, Proverbs, along with Psalms, Job, and a couple other books in the Bible, is characterised as wisdom literature. And that's its genre. It's a whole thing. So I considered I could just spend the next 20 minutes literally reading out passages from Proverbs, passages of wisdom. But as I can see, that will cause some of you to start nodding off. I Don't worry. That's not what I'm doing today. (laughs) Instead, we are exploring this concept of wisdom. What is it? How do we recognise it? How do we get it? When you think about it, it can be hard to describe. And for some people, wisdom is subjective. What one person thinks is wise, another thinks is foolish. So how do we know what wisdom is? Is there ever a moment in time when we reach the pinnacle of wisdom? Is it when we have kids, when we have grandkids, or when we turn 50 or 60 or 100? There is no one definitive marker that one can point to and declare if everyone reaches that, they are wise. It doesn't work. I think of wisdom a little bit like a board game. A board game, you think of Monopoly, Cluedo, whatever board game that you like. You get a set of rules, a set of instructions, guidelines to play the game. But just following the rules isn't just wisdom. It is also playing a board game and the ultimate goal of playing a board game is to win. Well, my ultimate goal of playing a board game is to win. (laughs) But it involves strategy, involves making the right choices. Um, Think about Monopoly, for example. You can go around and just go around the board and just roll the dice and never buy property. Probably a bad strategy. Or you can be strategic about what properties you buy. I, maybe you are the type of person that buys all the railroads and utilities. Maybe you go for a certain side of the board, a certain street. There is strategy involved in winning and achieving a game. Being wise is similar. Yes, we can know, yes, do this, don't do that. But sometimes being wise is about being prudent, is about making a right decision, about denying and not doing something that looks good but maybe not the wisest thing to do in that moment. So there's some strategy in wisdom. But in looking what is wisdom, we look to people that can be considered by some to be wise. Like you think someone like Socrates, the Greek philosopher, who knew that he knew nothing, 
Or maybe we look to Albert Einstein with his theory of relativity about, or about how, or maybe we look at someone who is still alive today, the Dalai Lama. I mean, I do love that quote of his, if you think you are too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. Or maybe someone that I'm sure we all relate to, Master Yoda, with do, um, do or not do, there is no try. These are characters or people that are, that are purported to be wise. And there is some wisdom in, in their sayings, in what they do. But wisdom is not determined by IQ or how much knowledge you have. It's not determined about what level of schooling you've achieved. I mean, I've seen some little children show more wisdom than other adults I've known. And yes, of course, we do attain some level of wisdom just through our life experiences. But does that mean we are wise or just more experienced? So where does wisdom come from? The Bible says this in Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the, Lord, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Wisdom, real wisdom, comes from God. And he has given us his word, the Bible, so that we may learn and gain wisdom directly from him. But he's also given us people. Our, our fellow Christians, he's given us wise leaders and other people that we can also learn and gain wisdom from. And it's not just knowledge. It's not a set of rules to obey. Wisdom includes a level of discernment. It gives us understanding. It enables us to make sound judgments, judgments and to seek true justice. So we established that wisdom comes from God. Great. But what next? Well, the first thing we need to do is actually embrace wisdom. Throughout scripture, we, we are encouraged to seek out and embrace this concept of wisdom. An example of this was King Solomon. So we can read in 1 Kings 3, um, verses 5 to 11, it says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made me your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among your people. You, but among, among the people you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with Solomon had asked, that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, after this, and not long for life or wealth yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you wise, a wise and discerning heart, so there will never be anyone, there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. I wish that I would say, if God came to me, say, 
ask for me what you will and I'm going to grant you your request, that I would say, just give me your discerning discernment. Just give me wisdom. I would like to say that's what I answered. I don't know if that is really what I would have if God had given me the choice. <laughs> but it's not just Old Testament. It's not just Solomon that, that um, was given wisdom and, and sought, sought wise um, wisdom from God. Paul, he encourages the Ephesians to be wise in, in chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He recognised the, their context and, and the evil that surrounded them and, and the culture that they were, they were immersed in. And he implored them to seek God's wisdom in it all, to, to make wise choices. And this theme continues in James as he tells the church in chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. We need to embrace God's wisdom. Yes, by reading his word, by seeking wise counsel from others and by actually praying and asking God for wisdom. God gives generously and all we need to do is ask. But the thing about asking for wisdom is that when we do, we actually have to accept wisdom's rebuke. And this is the part that we usually balk at, being told that what we are doing is wrong or unhelpful, that we might be hurting others or ourselves. It can be difficult and uncomfortable to ask for wisdom from others, to admit that we don't know what we are doing and to humble ourselves and accept, and accept that what we thought would work actually isn't working and that we need help and advice. Proverbs um, chapter 1 verse 20 um, explains it like this. And I'm, yeah, 20 to 33 says, Wisdom shouts in the street. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowd along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart and I will make you wise. I've called to you so often, but you wouldn't come. And I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh at you when you are troubled. I will mock at you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish, distresses, uh, anguish and distress overwhelms you. When they cry out for help, I will not answer. For they anxiously search for me. For though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice, paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own ways and choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. Wow, that's pretty harsh. I mean, this passage calls those that ignore God's wisdom simpletons. 
which I kind of love. I kind of love that, that, t that descriptive turn of phrase. I mean, that's not to say that you should all go out there today and call people that don't listen to you simpletons, but rather that this passage rather poetically outlines what happens to those that choose to ignore God's wisdom and counsel. So those that choose to ignore God, those choose to reject his knowledge, to reject his wisdom and understanding. I mean, and this is what happens. Verse 26, 27 said, I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish and distress overwhelms you. That's pretty evocative and descriptive language of what happens, of kind of what we can experience sometimes emotionally uh, and think when we are not following wise counsel, when we are not following God, that we can be overwhelmed and have anguish and distress. But I also like in verse 31, therefore they must eat the bitter fruit living in their own way, choking on their own schemes. It's very poetic and you can get lost in the imagery of it. And it sounds rather harsh, harsh but what it is basically saying is that there are consequences to our actions. And when we don't listen and obey to wise counsel, we will just reap what we sow. I mean, we know, like, we can see this in nature. We, we are told in science, like, Newton's third law is every action has an equal, equal and opposite reaction. So no matter what we do, there is always going to be a consequence. And based on our choices is whether those consequences are going to be for good or for bad. So not following God's wisdom is bad. It has consequences. So then what are the benefits of following God's wisdom, following the wisdom and counsel that comes from God? Let's read in Proverbs 2, 6 to 8. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Wow, that sounds so much better than choking on the bitter fruit of my own schemes. The treasure of common sense. An interesting turn of phrase. I mean, I often lament that common sense is just not that common. But maybe that's just a consequence of all other people not, not seeking God's wisdom. But God promises that he's going to protect the faithful um, that follow his ways. I mean, um, further down in that chapter in, in verses 11 to 15, we're told, wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from evil people and from those, those whose words are twisted. These men turn from the right way. They walk down dark paths and they take pleasure in doing wrong. And they enjoy the twisted ways of evil. Their actions are crooked. Their ways are, are wrong. By making wise choices and following God's wisdom, we are saved from the ways of evil. The ways that will turn us away from the righteousness of God. I mean, this, this passage continues about warning about turning away from evil. And it continues in, in 
verses 20 to 22 says, So follow the steps of the good and stay on the paths of the righteous. For only the God will live in the land and those with integrity will reign in it. <clears throat> but the wicked will be removed from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted. Another benefit of God's wisdom is that we are promised to live in God's promised land. Now, this was very important for the Israelites of the day. For, this, for as this was being written, this was before the division of the kingdom of Israel and the, ex- and the exile of the Israelites into Babylon. So it was very important that they were exiled effectively, basically because they were disobedient to God. They stopped following God's ways. Um, but God was assuring them that those with integrity will remain in the land. For us today, as we apply this analogy, as for our eventual ascension to be with God in heaven, that those that we live with integrity as we follow God and follow his, his, in obedience to him, that we will be returned to his promised land in, with him. I want to leave you this morning with a final verse. Um, part of what Amy read already is James 3.13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. That is the benefit of God's wisdom, that we live an honourable life, that we will continue to do good works in all areas of our lives not out of our own pride or self-righteousness because we are so much better than others because we are not, but actually out of true humility and love for God and his creation. That is what people see when, when we honour and obey the wisdom of God's give, um, that God gives. That is what they see when, that's what the community sees and our, our friends and family see when we honour God, that we have true love for him and true love for his people and his world. So this morning, as we um, close out our service, I have a few things for you to think about, response questions. So how has God's wisdom and the wisdom that you received from God's people had a positive impact on your life? Are there any current situations that you are facing that you believe will benefit from wisdom. And can I encourage you to ask God how he might use the wisdom that he has given you to influence others for him. So, thanks, Stephen.